Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to TFL Talking Trucks. I am Andre, and I have a very special guest today. I would say a very unspecial guest today, Andre. My name is Tommy, and today I am joining Andre. Usually I am on the Talking Cars podcast, yeah. but today um, I thought we'd, uh, we'd have a fun conversation about the future of trucks. Yes, and specifically, uh, first of all, I, I want to touch on a lot of news that just happened in the truck world, specifically electric trucks. And we get these questions a lot, actually. Actually, about an hour ago, uh, one of our viewers emailed us and they said, uh, will electric trucks be viable? Will they actually work? Ooh, what a question. Yes. That's a great uh, question. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest and greatest in pickup truck and van news. Then we're going to dive right into will electric pickup trucks be commercially successful? Are they going to be able to tow? Are they going to be able to fit your budget? Um, and are they going to be something that will eventually replace gasoline pickups? Yes. Well, I want to start actually what happened with what happened about a few days ago. Um, this was actually Friday afternoon and I was uh, coming home and actually Friday night and this news drops. Okay. That um, one of the major automotive magazines um, said that we have heard that Ford is going to call their upcoming electric EV F-150 the Lightning. Whoa. And I was like, why Friday night? Why do you have to talk about it Friday? <laughs> Andre was in his jammies. He was ready to, uh, to, to put on some Simpsons and lay back. And then, of course, he's got to go cover truck news, huh? Yes, but this was really significant. And they said it was an anonymous source, and Ford hasn't confirmed this officially. Uh, but it kind of was a big deal because the Lightning truck, of course, was the performance street truck, right? In the 90s and early 2000s, there were two generations of the Lightning mm -hmm. and was a really high performance, very fast. Um, and now electricity, you know, Lightning electric, right? It's very clever. Yes, <laughs> very, very clever. So so uh, I guess it kind of makes sense. What do you think about the name? Well, I think it is an interesting idea and it may point to something a little bit controversial because um, if they do call it the Lightning and they do brand it as, you know, the ultimate EV pickup truck, which I have a feeling they will, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to want to come out of the gates with the best thing they have. I have a feeling that the first Ford F-150 EV is not going to be an affordable commercial work truck. I think it's going to be an, a high-end $65,000, $70,000, um, I don't want to say plaything, but basically a, a vehicle that is targeted at uh, the more luxury consumer, the performance-oriented consumer, someone who's not necessarily a contractor, but someone who maybe manages the contractors, if that makes sense. You know, the, the, the person the who wants the ultimate pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, what happened that day or the next morning, Ford uh, officially uh, published this image. And if you're watching us, thank you. By the way, TFL Talk YouTube channel is where you can find our video podcast. And also, of course, you can listen to us. But if you go to tfltruck.com, uh, the Ford, uh, well, this is not the Lightning truck. They didn't officially call it the Lightning, but they published this dark silhouette of a front end of a truck. 
and they said stay tuned basically. Now we have seen images of the F-150 EV testing. Yes, it's basically a prototype, which was actually kind of a... Uh, the prototype we did see was a crew cab, short bed. Okay. So it looks to be kind of standard uh, size. It has unique wheels on the prototype, uh, very, very sleek, very um, aerodynamic. Uh, but also what Ford has said, first of all, they're building a plant near their Rouge factory in Michigan um, to build the electric vehicles, right? They're actually having a, a new addition to the factory. Yes. Um, and, and then they said it's going to be the highest performance F-150. And I, I believe them because electric motors are very powerful. So when Ford revealed the Mustang Mach-E, which yeah. is the four-door all-electric Mustang crossover, th they debuted the lesser trim levels first. And what I mean is there's a GT model, which is a super high-performance one. That was actually delayed, and it's still delayed relative to the launch of like the basic extended range and the, the rear-wheel drive one, right? Yeah, and the re actually the regular ones are already on sale. Yeah, so you yeah. can buy um, like, like the affordable Mach-E right now, which starts in, I think, the 40s. 40s, yeah. Uh, but if you want the top dog GT, you're going to have to wait a little bit more. Ordering just ordered up at the end of April. Um, and that's going to be the really high-performance one that's 60 some thousand dollars I think that was a mistake because I think um, in order to get consumers excited about electrification, you got to wow them right off the bat. And I think they should have launched with the GT first mm. and then rolled out the Everyman Mustang a little bit later on. I think Ford's going to do the opposite with the F-150. So, really? So uh, that's where you're coming from? Basically. Yeah, so I think they're going to come out of the, the gate screaming with the most expensive, the fastest, the highest range, the fastest charging, the most extreme F-150 first with the highest price tag, get people excited, get people talking, and then maybe a year, maybe a year and a half down the road, we'll start to see the hmm. rear-wheel drive one, and then maybe the smaller battery one, and, and more of the attainable model. That's an interesting um, thought. I can kind of see that. Uh, I mean, the prototype we see here, um, and we have a special video about this separately on TFL truck. Um, yeah, it does look kind of premium. So I, I see some, um, you know, this that could be very valid because they also have to compete against several others, right? Yeah. But none of those are for sale yet. <laughs> So, so the Rivian truck is supposed to be coming with 750 horsepower, right? And very fast acceleration. Tesla is promising a lot of power, uh, sub three second accelerations. Then there is the Hummer EV truck with a three second acceleration time. So it makes sense that Ford would make that high performance one, right? Uh, available. And I think on the Rivian, it's the same way, right? I th certainly the Hummer. So if you look at the Hummer, which is the craziest. It's... The most expensive one first. Right. So yes. before we get to the affordable, well, quote unquote affordable Hummers, <laughs> it's the hundred and some thousand dollar ones first. Yes. And then they're going to start trickling into the 90s and the 80s. Uh, is that how Rivian's going to work too? Are they going to start with the expensive models before they begin delivering the cheap ones? Do you know? Well, actually, so they did announce a lot. They announced their pricing models, um, some options. And right now, the, the basically the model that's starting up is about seventy-two grand to start, but I think um, most of them will have options. Okay. And, and the ones that they're starting with has four motors, so one motor for each wheel, basically. But the motors are mounted in in um, actually inward, kind of in the center of the vehicle. Inboard, right? yeah. Uh, inboard, not at the wheel, um, like some others, uh, but. Uh, after a few options, including the kitchen sink, did you know that Rivian is going to offer a kitchen setup 
in their truck. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, a camping <laughs> kitchen. Um, that's about 90 grand. Wow, really? So it's also very expensive. So, and I think, first of all, if it's anything like the cars, it's very expensive to build and manufacture these electric vehicles. It's uh, it's it sounds like from what we've heard it's much smaller profit margins relative to the gasoline cars um, and that's because batteries are very expensive and they're very heavy so it does sort of make sense why they're offering the more expensive one first uh, maybe there's bigger profits in that as well and it's got the most capability so if you're looking for a, a, a truck an electric truck right uh, and you're just a consumer and, and you've been driving gas for the last 30, 40 years, you're going to be more impressed by a range of over 300 and uh, 0 to 16 under 4 seconds and yeah. you know, the big numbers versus seeing you know, a range of 200 and 0 to 16, 9 seconds. And, like, that's not going to wow you. And I think right. for a new technology, it has to come out of the gates and wow you. Yeah, makes sense. So while we're talking about the upcoming news, so there's a few other things happening. Um, I want us to think about the following questions. So this email I referenced uh, earlier came from Spencer Strom. I, I, I think I'm pronouncing that name correctly. If I'm not, I apologize. Uh, he sent uh, kind of a several questions here and we have them also on our website. Uh, first question, let's um, just keep, to keep in mind. What is keeping EV trucks from being viable towing vehicles? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we have some insight into this, but obviously you and I are not electrical engineers. <laughs> right? So we will have the exact insight into this. Number two, question number two, what are the effects of the lithium ion battery and the mining process? Yep. So actually, what does it actually take to actually produce these vehicles, right? Um, and recycling of batteries. That's the second question. The third question is, um, about the charging network, okay, basically, because that still needs to be kind of more <laughs> standardized and actually made easier. Yes. Um, and also, um, what does make uh, gas versus electric? What are the strengths of each? Mm, that's interesting. Okay, okay yeah. So, so uh, the next piece of news actually came out uh, just a couple of hours ago. Um, there's a company called Blue Origin. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of Blue Origin. Uh, well, Blue Origin is uh, part of the family of companies that uh, Jeff Bezos, um, the chairman of Amazon, is invested in and who is leading. Um, Blue Origin is a space exploration company. It's basically a competitor to SpaceX, right. in a way, uh, which is Elon Musk's company. And uh, Amazon, as you know, invested in the Rivian pretty heavily, um, what, a year ago or, or maybe a little bit more. And there's a video of Jeff Bezos at the test site where they tested their rocket launch, driving a Rivian pickup truck through the desert to go check out the landing site of this rocket and the capsule. Mm -hmm. So we have this story on TFL truck and there's Jeff Bezos in Texas uh, wearing a cowboy hat. You could see it right there. Uh, enjoying driving this truck, basically. So here it, it begs the question, Who's going to be first to market, right? Right. Is the Rivian actually ready for production? They're saying June of 2021, first customer deliveries. I think Jeff is an investor, so I, I'm sure he has special privileges. Okay. <laughs> He's also the richest person in the world, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so what do you think? Who's going to be first to market? Um, I don't think it's going to be Rivian, actually. Mm. So we've seen a lot of their trucks running around. Um, we saw them in that Long Way Up documentary. Yep. With Ewan McGregor and, and Charlie. they're testing in the wild. Yeah, and yeah. then of course we saw him at like Rebel Rally. 
I I really am skeptical that they're actually going to be first because it takes <laughs> it's one thing to build a design mock-up of a vehicle. It's another thing to, to build one that runs. It's another thing to build a handful that run. And then it's a whole another can of worms to actually scale into mass production and get those uh, you know economies of scale up and running. And I just I really question whether or not Rivian is going to be first in that game. They do have a plant in normal Illinois, mm -hmm. which is an ex Mitsubishi plant. I yeah, think, I right? so. Yep. Uh, but I think it's going to take a company like Ford or GM to really be first when it comes to delivering trucks in a big way. Rivian may may get a few out the door, but I think in terms of mass deliveries, I, I have a feeling Ford is going to be first with the F-150 EV. We haven't seen a lot about it, but I'm, I just have a hunch that they're going to reveal it. They'll be like, this thing's going to be out in a few months, and then it's going to be out in a few months. And when, and when they say it's going to be out, it's going to be out. Well, because Rivian's had a lot of, yeah. I mean, Ford has had delays with like the Bronco too, but Rivian's had a lot of delays with getting the R1T out, and now they're saying, at, what, June of this year? Yeah, which is coming soon. But uh, I'm questioning whether or not that is actually going to be the reality. True, and they're using kind of, I think they're approaching it from a kind of a, direct sale model, right? So not really opening dealerships, right? So, and also the service, they call it the white glove service. Whoa. Uh, to basically where you call the company, right? If you have an issue, um, a technical issue with your truck, and if they cannot fix it remotely, somebody will be sent to you. So like, so it's very similar to Tesla. How do I, if I wanted to buy one, where do I buy one? Well, I, 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 you order it online. Oh, I get that, but I, I drive I mean, a car in the real world. It, wait, it just like shows up? Wait, <laughs> it just like just... I open the garage and there it is? I mean, I, are there going to be stores like Polestar is doing or Tesla's doing? I mean, I haven't heard of any Rivian stores in our area. That, and that's one of the issues, I think. Uh, I think you're thinking of about who's going to be first to market, right? Right. Uh, but I, I am actually optimistic that they will start delivering actually to to normal, you know, customers, not billionaires like Jeff okay. Bezos. Um, I'm really actually confident because they've shown, you know, they have a lot of employees, many, I mean, when they actually came out two and a half years ago as a company, they had like 600 employees. Yeah, and they've, they've, they've poached yeah. a lot of employees too from other major from companies. From other major manufacturers. Uh, and so they have a lot of knowledge, expertise, and they have money from Amazon, from Ford investing into them also. So I'm, I'm very confident. I think they might be first. How many they will sell is another story. It's funny, too. We go on these press events, and sometimes we get to speak to engineers, and we, we know a bunch of them in the industry. <laughs> and we'll be like, so how's so-and-so? And then the engineer will be like, oh, that, that person's at Rivian. And it's <laughs> happened like four or five times in the last yes. couple months talking to the major OEMs because um, they, they do have a ton of money behind them. I mean, they're just they're floating in it. They, they could... Uh, yeah, but... And the other thing is... Like Tesla recently announced their uh, most recent earnings, right? Yeah. And it was successful. Um, well, two things, right? They said they made money, but the actual money they made was based on credits, right? Electric vehicle credits that they were um, actually selling to other companies, not pure profit from selling vehicles. Right. You know, that's approximation, uh, you know. This is not a financial show. Yeah. <laughs> but an approximation of what happened was they were making money, but not directly by selling. And they've been around for 12 years, right? It's crazy. So, so it's, this is that hard to actually have a profitable, successful automotive company. Absolutely. No, for sure. So uh, let's take a break from the news and start answering some of those questions uh, about whether or not EVs will work. And the sure. first question is about towing.
Right. Um, is it going to be viral? So this yeah. is an interesting question, and we have had a little bit of experience with this. So um, a while back, we bought a long-term Tesla Model X. Correct. Uh, we paid $86,000 for it. It was, a, it was the standard uh, Model X. It wasn't a performance with a 100-kilowatt-hour battery. That's how you measure battery capacity. And 100 kilowatt hours is a really big battery. I mean, that's that's about as big as you can currently buy in the industry right now. Mm -hmm. uh, to put it in perspective, like the first Leafs were around 24 kilowatt hours. So 100 is a really big pack. Now, the Model X that we had was rated at right about 300 miles on a single charge. But what we found is when we hooked up a trailer, uh, and we, we tried it a few times, the range decreased significantly from like 300 miles to... About 100. And in some cases, less than 100, yeah. depending on what you're towing. And these aren't huge trailers. I mean, when me and you did it, we were towing 5,000 pounds. And that was a kind of a box trailer um, meant for horses. Yes. Yeah. And then when my dad and I did it, we were towing, I think, 13, 1,500 pounds. I think that was a Boreas trailer, right? And that that weighed about two thousand pounds. Okay, but and it's very low profile. But it still had major range um, range problems. Problems. And so what we found what would happen is you would drive for an hour and then you'd have to charge for an hour and you drive for an hour and you'd have to charge for an hour and that's how it was towing. Um, now the reason behind this is, uh, I mean, you can get into the science in it, but it's basically the energy density that a battery pack offers versus like a tank of gasoline. So if you really dive into it and you look at the raw energy in that 100 kilowatt hour pack, it's equivalent to something like a few gallons of gasoline. Like three or four gallons. Yeah. So think yes. about that. The entire battery in a Tesla is equal to three or four gallons. Now the reason it can go 300 miles empty is because it's super efficient. Electric cars are really efficient. They're not wasting... The, the motors are very efficient. Yeah, yes. they're really efficient. Compared to gasoline engines, which waste huge amounts of energy and heat, electric motors are very, very, very efficient. But the issue is when you start towing, when you put big square blocky trailers behind them, or even not big square blocky trailers, um, the efficiency that you get from... Falls off dramatically. Yeah, it just like falls off a cliff. Yeah, and I think... Uh, and I've spoken to a couple engineers about this too. Um, this is, you know kind of not official conversations, but um, like you said, at some events, right? Um, and basically what it boils down to is you're putting a consistent draw on those motors and batteries, right? Because you're asking the machine to uh, tow a heavy load, for example, up a mountain or down a highway or whatever it may be. And you're generating heat once again, right? right? The motors are heating up, the batteries are heating up, uh, all of the subsystems are heating up, and there comes a point where the whole system becomes less efficient, mm. basically, because you're continuously asking it for more and more power. Um, I think what electric cars are best at are actually stop and go traffic. Yeah, and right? they're... You're, you accelerate... You break, you recoup some energy, right. and you can accelerate again, right? And we saw that too. Like if you look at normal hybrids, like the Prius. I know we're talking about the Prius on the truck show. Oh. Uh, I know. But normal hybrids, and this may be the case with your F-150 too, typically do better fuel economy in the city than the on the highway. highway. Yeah. They're, they're, they do better at stop and go than sustain loads. Uh, and that's just amplified when you put a trailer behind them. Now, to solve that, um, battery density is going to have to increase a lot. Yes. So, like, our Model X uh, had a 100 kilowatt hour pack, but the thing was 5,500 pounds or some ridiculous Already. Number. So, yeah. So, battery density. So, first of all, you need to have more energy storage, but you, you cannot do it at the expense of weight. Right? That's the problem. Because you can double the battery size. Yes. And you're, once again, you're, you're adding a lot of weight to the vehicle, which is no good. 
And it's, it's an interesting thing. So if you look at the Hummer that you just saw, that has a 200 kilowatt hour pack. Basically, uh, yes. And that's kind of a, I don't want to say ham-fisted, but it's kind of a, a blunt approach to getting a lot of range in a heavy vehicle. Because the issue is uh, you've got a big vehicle, so you, you want a lot of batteries. But when you add more batteries, it gets heavier. And then that huge vehicle becomes even heavier. So and you need more. Efficient. So you need yeah. more batteries. And then you're yeah. making it less efficient. Uh, you'd be, you'd be, it's, 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 a, it's a tough thing right now with the current tech. Ideally, you'd have a small pack with a lot of capacity. But with the current science behind it, it's just not, not quite there yet. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Hummer, uh, so EV truck is supposed to be on sale at the end of this year. Wow. Right, so that's what GM said. Okay. GM is a, obviously a major manufacturer that's been around for 100 years and more. So, yes, when they say that, I'm assuming you know, they will deliver at least some number of trucks this year um, because they're promising this. And that truck has about 350 miles of range. Okay. Okay, so usable range, but like you said, it takes them 200, about 200 kilowatt hours, double the Tesla's capacity. And think about this, like the Tesla... Model X, which is also an SUV, albeit not an off-road one, will do 300 miles with half the capacity. Yeah, so it's diminishing Diminishing returns, yeah. Yeah, The more batteries you put in, the less return you get on them. Yeah, because it gets heavier. Um, So it's not clear. And actually, um, Hummer and GMC did not announce, first of all, towing numbers. They did not announce uh, how much their trucks weigh. Okay. They didn't announce that they're going to be very fast um, and very powerful. So, so yeah, that's that's a good question. So... Um, that leads into the second question, right? Actually, let's skip us, uh, ahead to the third question, which was charger networks, right? Right. So if you cannot go very far, um, you have to be able to charge quickly and also um, frequently, easily. Yeah, and frequently if you need to. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is also an interesting conversation. So who do you think has the best charging network now? So, so Tesla has a very built-out network. It's called these superchargers. And you may have seen them at like your local mall or um, along sides of major interstates. And they're these little stalls with these plugs on them. Sure. And basically you drive along and actually the Tesla's really smart. It knows uh, where on your trip you need to plug in and for how long. And it will actually optimize the, uh, the, the charging to ensure and your road trip to ensure that you are spending the least amount of time charging. Um, so, for example, if here in Colorado, if I plug in Los Angeles, it'll tell me to drive west for maybe 100 miles, and then it'll tell me to charge for 10 minutes, and then it'll go for another 200 miles and charge for another 15, 20 minutes. So it kind of is coaching you to how make your best trip possible. Yes, and when you're road tripping in a Tesla, it's all very seamless. It tells you when to stop. You plug it in, wait 15 minutes, unplug it, and off you go. Um, and it's not really a big deal, actually. Uh, I mean, you drive for a couple hours, you charge for 20, 30 minutes, you know, go to the bathroom, get a coffee, whatever, and then keep going. Some people, that's a big deal. But I think for most, it's probably not all that um, insane. Of course, if you want to go off the beaten path, you know, if you don't want to stick to the major interstates, the Tesla supercharger network does fall apart a little bit. But for the most part, you can get almost everywhere in the country. Well, they, like they have a system uh, or a station in Moab, which is not on a major highway, right? Yep, that's true. So, so they are increasing the number of stations. There's also other networks, uh, you know, um, America. Electrify America. Electrify America. So, Thank you. So here's the crazy thing, though. Yes. If you have a Hummer, if you have a Ford, if you have a Rivian, you can't charge at the Tesla chargers. 
Correct. It's for Tesla owners only. So it's the best network, but you can't use them because Tesla locks it out just for Teslas. Now, there, a little while back, there was this whole thing like Elon Musk was, he, oh, I'll let anybody use my chargers. Um, that hasn't played out. Um, and I mean, from a business standpoint, why should he? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a huge competitive advantage. Co- correct. And good for them. But but also, like you said, there's really great integration between the vehicle and the network. Right. Right. Like you said, there's a lot of software. The software is helping you inside the vehicle. It's coaching you. And then the charging process, you can monitor on your phone. Right. You can do all those things. But obviously, companies like Ford and VW and others are attempting to kind of, you know, at least match that. Right. Now, from my experience, when I'm using the Ford or the Volkswagen system and I plug in it like my destination, it's a lot less intuitive. And there may be different brands of chargers I have to use. For example, um, like ChargePoint, Electrify America, EVgo, and those typically require memberships. Oftentimes, like EVgo requires a specific membership. Same with ChargePoint. and the other thing, too, is sometimes they're just totally wrong. Like I was in a Volkswagen and it routed me to this charger that would have taken nine hours to fill up, right? Versus the one a little yeah. bit down the street, which would have been 25 minutes. And when I'm driving in my normal truck, right, uh, my gas-powered or diesel-powered truck, I don't have to have a membership to go to like a Shell station. That's crazy. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> so, a mess. So, so it's not quite there yet. Right. And I now mean, they're it, improving it. It's changing a little bit. Like um, Ford now has something called plug-in charge. So if you're on an Electrify America network, you can just plug it in and off you go. Uh, it didn't work for me, um, but apparently it's working for some folks. Uh, and then now Electrify America also has normal credit card readers. Swipers. Although you do pay more than if you had a membership. Um, okay. So... So the charging thing is an issue on road trips, but if you have a house and a garage, um, it's not an issue. So what I mean by that is if you have a place to plug it in every night, you can basically wake up in the morning with the full quote-unquote tank. Right? And that's what we yeah. do with our Tesla. So we, we oftentimes drive uh, in the city and, and even to, to neighboring towns. And we can drive 150, 200 miles, come home, plug it in overnight, wake up in the morning, and we've got another full tank. True, but it's not quite as simple as that because you did have to uh, plug into your 240 uh, volt circuit at home, right? We, yeah, we had to pay an electrician. I think it was $500 to install a 240 volt circuit. That's true. In the garage and, you know, the wiring and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, which is, a, it's an investment, right? Okay, right. in your house and in your, you know, a vehicle and your garage. That's okay. But um, also, so then of course there's a price of, Electricity, which is pretty affordable these days. Yeah, compared to gasoline, yeah. it'll be like pennies on the dollar. Sure. At least currently, yeah. But like for me, so I don't have, I haven't done that yet. So my wife drives uh, right now uh, BMW i3. Which is like a little baby electric car. Yeah, baby electric car. Um, and I don't have a fast charger or level two charger in my garage. It's just a standard 110, right, volt circuit. And for her, it's okay because her battery is about 17 kilowatt hours. Yeah, so compare that to the 100 in the Tesla. Or 200 in the Hummer. And it'll so only what go... what would happen if I drive my Hummer into my garage, Wait, if it will fit? Will it fit in the garage? <laughs> and if I start charging, it will take like two days to charge. So, uh, Andre's wife, how long is her commute, do you think? A round trip is 50 miles. Does she ever use any... Uh, the, I mean, does she ever run out? Is there ever no, a concern? No, So her, that car will only go about 60, 70 miles on a single charge. Yeah. But um, for her, it's fine. But So when you park it at home and you just plug it in off a standard 110-volt outlet, like a little three-prong wall outlet, yes. will it be fully charged in the morning? Yes. Okay. But because she has a small battery. Yes, that's yes. true. Now, if you had a big battery like in the Hummer... Um, 
you would really need to get the 240 volt absolutely. system installed. Absolutely, it's yeah. it'll it's worth the five thousand five hundred dollars five hundred dollar yeah thousand dollar fee to get that little little outlet installed. And the outlet we're talking about is. Um, it kind of looks like the outlet that you'd use on like a dryer or a an oven. Yeah, you know, it's totally. like one of like the Three bigger prong. Yeah, like what is it, thirty amp? Yeah, and if you yeah. have an oven in your garage, just unplug the oven and. I don't have an oven in my garage, <laughs> or or a refrigerator. I mean, I have a small refrigerator in my garage. What about a dryer? Do you have a dryer in your garage? No, it's in next door. Oh, well, you it's behind it. the wall. And you know what else? Um, houses have firewalls. So the wall between the garage and the home is actually a very, very thick wall. Oh, interesting. Um, and a lot of it, like, we tried to put, like, a speaker system in the garage. And you're not allowed, at least by code in Colorado, to drill through that wall because it's basically a fire barrier between right. the garage and the home. So when we had our 240 volt installed, our breaker box is on the outside of our garage. So we basically just That drilled, was easier. Yeah, we just yeah. drilled through the garage and then... Um, Ran some conduit From the outside. Up. Yeah, yeah, ran some conduit up. Uh, so that is an interesting interesting point. But honestly, if your commute is like, uh, for these, these upcoming trucks that have a 300-mile range, if your commute is even under 150 miles, um, just just plug in at home and, and charge it up, and you'll, you'll save a lot of money compared to your gasoline vehicle. And if you have solar like Andre does, you, you'll pay nothing. Right. In, in electricity. And it's it's a really great win-win. It's just the road tripping thing, which is going to be a problem. Yeah, and towing. And towing. And, and towing, towing and road thing. tripping. That's the other thing, too, is uh, most of, the, most of the, the current flock of fast chargers, they're called DC chargers, are um, not set up for towing. They're like little pull-in things. Mm-hmm. And if you had a trailer, you'd right. be sticking out and blocking. Or you have to remove your trailer oh, and do all this. It's a mess. Yeah. yeah. So like the Tesla ones, you have to back in, which is a, for the most part, which is a really big problem. Yeah. And on the actually the BMW i3, the charge port is in the back. Yeah. So I had to do an extension cord because I can't quite reach, you know, to the front of the garage. I so, know it's a mess. So it's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah, I agree. But so the charging is currently, I think, one of the biggest issues. And then there's the, the time to charge. So Andre mentioned on 110 volt, if your battery is completely depleted, it can take a few days. Uh, yeah, for two, a big vehicle. Yeah, if you have a 240 volt, it'll probably take six to eight hours, maybe 10 hours yeah. um, from empty to full. And then if you're at a fast charger, uh, it'll take zero to 80% and somewhere around 45 minutes, 50 minutes, depending on the car. Uh, and then above 80%, it slows down a lot. But typically on a road trip, you only go from you know 10% to 80%, 80% yeah. at the most. Yeah. So those speeds are still definitely longer than gasoline or diesel, which will take you three minutes. Uh, so something to keep in mind in road trips, but those speeds are getting quicker and quicker and quicker at, at a monumental rate uh, as battery tech improves and as uh, chargers improve. And currently, I think the chargers are faster than the cars. So we rate charging speeds in kilowatts. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andre's i3 can only charge at, I think, what, 7 kilowatts? Yeah, approximately. Or something. Yeah. Uh, the, the older ones could charge at 50 kilowatts, the older cars that could do fast charging. But now what... Teslas can do what 250? 150 or 250. 250, yeah. The yeah. Porsche's 270. Yeah. Uh, the Taycan and uh, some of the chargers are rated up to 350 now. A lot of the Electrify Americas are rated up to 350. So there's some room to grow there once vehicles get more and more uh, better at, at charging. And I think um, there's a stepping stone here. And I purchased an F-150 hybrid because of this issue. I didn't have you know level two charging at home. Uh, no electric truck was available, right? Right. Because <laughs> they're not around yet. So I think this hybrid truck, um, and I'm, I'm still kind of learning about it and, you know, as, as the weeks go by, um, and I'm pretty happy with it. And it's a good solution, right? I have power. 
uh, pretty good efficiency, right? And I'm still using a lot of gas, right? Because it's a hybrid. Right. Uh, but it was kind of a stepping stone, right? It's just kind of a connection to it. So there's no plug on your hybrid though, right? Like Correct. There's, there's nothing you need to charge up. Correct. So Andre has a little battery. It's like 1.5 kilowatt hours. And then the big gas V6. And then basically how it works is at really slow speeds, you're running on electricity. Yeah. Or... Also at coasting speeds. Coasting speeds, yeah, yeah coming down so a mountain. You'll... Coming down the mountain or whatever, uh, maintaining 55 miles an hour, it can do on electricity. Now that's different from like the e-torque in the RAM, which is basically just a starter motor that allows start-stop at, yeah. at, um, right. at stoplights. So this is a step above e-torque. Then above Andre's you have like the plug-in hybrid. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, the plug-in hybrid is a bigger battery. For example, the Jeep uh, 4xe, right. uh, the Wrangler that's just out. and. They're rumored to put it also into the Gladiator and some other vehicles. Um, it's basically a bigger battery and then a plug. So uh, you do have to charge it, but you have a longer range that you can r drive on electricity alone. I think the Jeep is what, about 19 to 21 miles? I think it's 21. Uh, 21 miles uh, on electricity alone. So, so you have that. But so, then here's the key to the plug-in hybrid. Yes. Uh, you don't have to plug it in if you don't want to because once the battery dies, it still works as like a normal car or yeah. truck. It yeah. still works like a normal hybrid like Andre's pickup. Right. So it's kind of an optional thing. If you have a short commute, plug it in at home, drive your 20 miles, and then plug it in at home again, and you'll never use gasoline. If you have a long commute, plug it in, drive 21 miles, right. use gasoline for the rest of the trip. But then, of course, you have some complexity, right, because you have – the gasoline engine and an electric motor and batteries and all of the wiring and systems to connect it together. So complexity grows, right, with yeah. the hybrid. Um, and then the other issue with the plug-in hybrid is it's it's a hard thing because it's not a very good electric car because you're lugging around the gasoline engine when it's not running. And it's not a very good gasoline car because you're running you're lugging around batteries. a giant battery when the battery's depleted. Yes. So it's uh oof, it's a very niche It's almost thing. the best and the worst of both worlds. I would say if you have a commute <laughs> of like five miles, ten miles, uh it's, it's and, cool. and your plug in hybrid goes twenty miles, like get it. It makes sense. You'll never use gasoline. And then on your weekends when you go on trips, it's, it's a gasoline car. Uh we haven't seen any plug in hybrid trucks yet though, have we? No. I wonder why no. not. And I don't know. So maybe weight and complexity is part of it, right? I think that is kind of the ultimate stepping stone. I think that's... Uh, the plug-in. First of all, people don't understand the plug-in hybrid thing. It's, it's really a baffling to a lot of folks, which is interesting to me. And I've seen this on our YouTube comments. I've seen this on our TikTok comments. But like I, I, I was on the Jeep trip and I was like, it'll do 21 miles on a single charge and then it's got gasoline. And people were like, oh, it'll only do 21 miles and then it's empty. I'm like... But then you have the gas. You have 300 miles of gasoline right. engine then. Um, and but, I just don't think people understand that. Because like your truck, your normal hybrid, you drive it like a gasoline truck, right? Yeah, totally. And dude, I have like 650 miles of range. Right. I can go from here to Albuquerque and back. Well, not quite back. But if you never, if you never wanted to, you, know, you don't pay attention to the electric system. It's just kind of operating in the background. Right. It does it's its totally thing. seamless. Yeah. Completely in the background. Whereas a plug-in hybrid, you still have to interact with it. A little bit right. because you may want to charge it. Yeah, and I think right. I think the average consumer really understands gasoline. They kind of understand electricity, uh, but the the combination of them is is a little bit mind blowing. Yeah, and then when you have a truck, the Jeep weighs about five hundred pounds more. Very than the heavy, plug -in. really heavy. So if the, your truck weighed five hundred pounds more than what it does now, you would be losing payload at the same time. And payload is very huge for trucks because they're usually work vehicles or maybe they're recreational vehicles that. Are towing heavy so yeah 
So in my opinion, I think you're, be you're best off getting either a standard hybrid, like the F-150 hybrid, or the, uh, the rumored Tundra. Uh, hybrid. That's supposed to be hybrid, too. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we've heard rooming, rumor mill-wise. Yeah. Um, or going full electricity. I think the plug-in hybrid thing confuses people. I don't think there's a huge benefit. Um, because at least for trucks. Yeah, at least for trucks. Yeah. Yeah. For cars that, or small vehicles, that might make sense. Well, well look at the uh, RAV4 Prime. Yeah, the RAV4 Prime is good. It's a plug-in hybrid. It's high performance. Yep. I mean, it's pretty powerful. And it's efficient. Now, the other option, too, while we're on this potential exciting tangent <laughs> is something called the Rex, which is the range extender. Yes, which is a concept that actually many companies, including Ford, have patents about Interesting. for trucks. Now, on the market, there's only yes. ever been one in the US, as far as I know, and it's Andre's little BMW i3. It has a little motorcycle engine. Like, it's literally a two-cylinder motorcycle. It's 650 cc's. Yeah. It's, it makes 34 horsepower. But the idea is it's an electric car, right? It, you drive it like an electric car. You have to fill it up with electricity. But in the ultimate worst-case situation where you can't make it home or you can't make it to the charger, a little itty-bitty engine fires up as a generator. <laughs> Yes. And that powers the yeah. battery. I yeah. mean, really a little itty-bitty. Yeah, to totally. And actually, in the BMW, it's well-integrated. It sounds awful, right? It's like, it's why would this little motorcycle engine start to make noise <laughs> and, you know, ruin my trip? It, it's actually almost uh, seamless. It only kicks on, according to what I've seen, when you're kind of moving. Okay. Because when you're moving, you know, there's some road noise going on. There is some wind noise. It does sound like a golf cart. And it kind of... Well, but it sounds kind of like, like road noise. Right. It's hard to notice. And it doesn't change RPM either. I mean, no, it's, it's constant it's, RPM. It's right. got like a and then a depending on how fast you're going. But it's like a generator. It just yeah. maintains its RPM. It just RPM. sits there and, and makes electricity. Now, so it's different from a plug-in hybrid, though, because on a plug-in hybrid, it's got a big gasoline engine, which means you can drive it around every day on gasoline if you right. never wanted to plug it in. You can't drive around an i3 on gasoline. A, it doesn't go very far. Like or very fast. 40 miles. Or very fast because it's got 34 horsepower. Right, because that engine is not connected to the wheels. Yeah, it's that just That little generator. generator is actually putting electricity into the battery. Right. And then the battery electricity goes to the wheels. It, where that could be come in handy, though, is um, so on the i3 in Europe, and, and then we turned Andres into this too, you can actually, it's called coding, where as you drive along, it, co it constantly adds electricity back to the battery of the little motor. Um, while you're at like highway speed. So you can maintain a charge, basically. Sort of maintain it. Yes. I mean, if you're doing 75 up a hill, you're, it, right. yeah, you're still going to see that electricity dip down because that little engine can't keep up. But it's going to dip down slower. Um, and the benefit of having just a tiny engine, super lightweight. Uh, and I could really see this in a towing application. Like if you had a little diesel generator, mm -hmm. click, click it on when the battery's at 100% drive along, and that battery is going to last a lot longer because it's being fed electricity from this generator. Maybe yeah. not enough to maintain 75 up a hill with 40,000 pounds behind you, but enough to, to, to get you to the charger. So maybe that's the ultimate helper for towing in electric trucks. Maybe it is. Just having a little uh, um, gasoline or diesel uh, generator that kind of helps you with that energy need when you don't have the energy. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe, maybe that's it. So what's the next question? Well, the next question is, um, there's a question about the recycling and the battery impact. Great question. You know, yeah. how do you manufacture the batteries? What's the impact and recycling? Um, this is a little bit above my pay grade. 
Uh, it's above mine too, Andre. <laughs> uh, Lithium-ion technology is prevalent right now. A lot of companies that recently, for example, BMW, Ford, Toyota, have invested into solid-state battery technology, which is kind of the next stage, uh, different chemistry. Uh, Ultium batteries from GM are slightly different chemistry too, right? Mm -hmm. Tesla is talking about different chemistries. VW is talking about different chemistries. All of them also talk about recyclability, right? right? Because eventually these batteries will go bad. Right. All batteries go bad eventually. So how do you reuse that, you know, and, and put it back to work, basically? And then the other, the other side of it is the mining of the raw materials to right. make the batteries. Because a lot of them are rare metals, yes. basically. Yes, and, you know, there's a lot of research on the line about this. As far as I understand from the stuff I've read, it is very hard on the environment mining these, these precious materials. Um, and can be more costly than the production of a typical or an equivalent gasoline vehicle. But I have read that the environmental impact of that is offset after a few years of driving that EV um, uh, because it is so much more efficient. Now, the other thing, too, which there's a lot of research into, is even if your, your local power comes exclusively from coal, your vehicle is still uh, better off for the environment, running even off that coal power plant than, than a typical gasoline truck or gasoline car. In Colorado, we have a lot of coal electricity. Yeah, yeah. but you still have, see a, a benefit to the, uh, the the pollution made, even if but by driving EVs and it's an efficiency thing. It's a whole whole conversation. Um, yeah, it's a big conversation. It's a very complicated topic. Yeah, but uh, but there are some other benefits, and that is one of the questions, right? What are the benefits and um, of EV versus gas? Yeah. So I think we hit on a lot of these. Um, I I think the benefits of gas and diesel over electric is um, the energy density of the gasoline. Right. Right. The gasoline and diesel energy density is incredible, even though the engine is not super efficient uh, technically of converting energy to motion. Um, it doesn't matter because the, there is so much density in that fuel that you can go hundreds of miles before refilling. Um, and refilling is easy. Yeah. Right? So those are the benefits. And fast. And fast. I mean, it takes a few minutes to fill up your car. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the benefits of electricity is, well, first of all, you're not, you don't have emissions, right? You're not spewing gases. Tailpipe emissions. Uh, tailpipe yeah. emissions. Also, efficiency of the electric motor right. is far superior. Um, and power. There's a reason why uh, a heavy Hummer truck can accelerate in three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's because those electric motors are very, very powerful and very fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's instant torque, too, so you don't have to wait for uh, power to build up. Right. Exactly. The other thing, too, which is a big benefit for people, you can fill it up at home. Right? You don't have to go to a gas station once right. a week, once every two weeks. You can fill it up at home. And if you don't have a road trip every week, that's, that's a very doable thing. Uh, maintenance. Very low maintenance. Very low maintenance. So here's what Ford says, and I know this is kind of Ford heavy, but Ford has had a lot of news recently um, in this space. Uh, they just announced pricing on the e-transit all-electric commercial van. Um, the starting price is about forty-three thousand two ninety-five, and this price sounds reasonable. Okay. Okay. But um, this forty-three thousand two ninety-five is for a chassis cab, which is basically actually a cutaway which means you're getting the front of the van but then you can put your own like shuttle body or something behind it yep right for an upfitter um, it's about twelve thousand dollars more than a comparable transit gas-powered van Ooh, twelve thousand dollars a lot but here's what ford says on maintenance they say after eight years or a hundred thousand miles of using an electric van 
transit, um, you will have about 40% less uh, maintenance costs. Wow. So that's a big savings in maintenance. It is a big already. savings, yeah. Then savings in fuel costs, right, is another step, right? Yep. So overall, it will make sense over a long, longer period of time to own an electric van. Yeah, that's th- what they're saying. That's an interesting point, too. Um, so there's... No oil to change, right? You don't have to do oil changes. No. No spark plugs to change. No. There's uh, no timing belts or timing chains to go wrong. Right. Uh, Also, brakes. Brakes? Electric vehicles are very easy on brakes. They still have brakes. You regen. So when you regen an electric vehicle, what that means is you let off the uh, throttle pedal and basically it, it coasts the electric motor and drags the electric motor as you slow down to put electricity back into the battery. Yeah. But that force is so great that you slow down. Right. Um. And you can actually, so, and you're not using your brakes. Yeah, and like a Tesla, you can slow down from 70 to stop quickly without touching a single brake pad to yeah, a disc. Yeah, and your brake lights come on, yeah. so they, you know, they've taken care of this. Yeah, right. Um, but your brakes last longer. Yeah, there's also no, for the most part, there's no transmission, right? Usually one speed or yeah. two speed. Or yeah, maybe something. one or two speeds. Yeah. Um, so you 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 save on potentially clutches or or you know big transmission jobs. Uh, I mean, motors for the for the most part, the electric motors we've seen last a really really long time. Unless you beat on them like Tesla drag racers or whatever. Yeah, sometimes they can fail prematurely. Now the the one big point too, which we should talk about, is longevity of the battery. That we thought would be a huge deal when EVs first were released, um, and it was a big problem with things like the early Nissan Leafs because they had air-cooled batteries and range degradation. So after a few years, your car couldn't go 80 miles. It could go 60 miles mm-hmm. and 50 and then 40. Um, for the, Other than the Leaf, though, uh, especially within like the Tesla stuff, we see very, very little range degradation. Even over hundreds of thousands of miles, it may be 5-10%, um, which, is, which is really minimal. And the i3 you have, the 2014 i3, you haven't seen much degradation either. Well... But some, right? There is like a weird thing you can like a back secret, a secret menu back entrance a back entrance in the car that can kind of kind of tell you how much battery capacity you may have lost. But I think over what seven years, did you actually do that calculation? It was like it was like ten percent. Not even. It no. was like well, it was like one or two kilowatt hours. So yeah, maybe ten percent. So ten percent after seven years. So yes, there is degradation. Eventually, batteries will go bad. And I think that also leads into resale value. Yes. So some electric vehicles have great resale value, like Teslas. Hang on. Only Tesla electric vehicles have good resale value. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Tesla vehicles have really good resale value. Other electric vehicles do not currently. For example, that's why I was happy to buy that i3. It's because it was 12,000 bucks. Exactly. And it was affordable because it's losing its value because... Partially because the battery is degrading and uh, the vehicle becomes cheaper. Now, I really don't think, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I don't think that the um, degradation is as big as a lot of folks make it seem to be. There's a lot of anti-EV people that say, oh, your battery's going to have 50% in a couple of years. From my experience, I've never seen that. Um, unless it's, like I said, an early Nissan Leaf that's been constantly fast charged because fast charging can have a negative effect on the battery. Um, and now, like, new vehicles too have a, a, like, preservation setting in the battery. So if you don't charge them up to 100%, they, people have found that 
they last a lot longer, right? If you don't take them all the way to zero and then all the way up to 100, right. if you go from 20% to 80%, they last a lot longer. Um, and, and then like- And temperature management, right? Temperature management has yeah. also greatly improved. Yeah. Uh, and just the construction of the batteries as well. So like if you're into old RC cars, like nickel metal hydride, NICAD stuff, that had a memory, remember? Like if you yeah. if you kept charging it too high and didn't run it low, it would develop a memory and kind of be ruined. Lithium ion typically doesn't have that issue. So it is a it is a concern, and we will have to wait and see how it plays out. Plus, the technology is evolving still. Yes, yeah. it's still changing, and that is a concern for some folks that it's changing too fast. Uh, and then you've got the cost, and you mentioned it on the transit. Big cost. It is initial, yeah. still very expensive. Yeah, and we mentioned the price on the Rivian, ninety grand approximately with options. The Hummer EV truck, one hundred twelve grand. Uh, the Ford F one fifty may be also expensive. Uh, by the way, Chevy has announced their electric Silverado, right? Yep. We don't know about how much it will cost, but they said about 400 plus miles of range. So um, can you so, go through the numbers on the transit, like oh, range and, and, and then say the price again and that kind of thing? Yeah. So just really quickly. And I think Ford uh, went um, not as big on range on the transit electric because of cost. Okay. They wanted to keep the cost down, so they gave it a 67 kilowatt hour battery, All right. which is not very huge. No, not huge uh, for the it's, size. It's like a Chevy Bolt almost. Yep. Uh, it's almost the same battery as a kind of a smaller car, but what it allows it to do is to go about 126 miles for a smaller van configuration of total range, 126. 126. That sounds like low. But um, a regular working van in a day, they said they studied uh, lots of about 30 million miles of usage. They said an average working day for a van is about 74 miles. Okay. You know, delivering packages, delivering things, maybe making uh, house calls for a plumber or something like that. Um, so the range is enough for most cases. Um, and uh, price, like I said, starts at 43, goes to about 52,000 for an electric van. Also have power export, so you could charge other tools or batteries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, about two and a half, um, 2.4 kilowatt generator capability. That's pretty cool. Um, like the F-150 hybrid also has similar capability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so th those are some of the numbers. So it looks like they kept the battery smaller, uh, made it a little bit more affordable, not as big range. Uh, but still decent power, uh, about, what did they say, about 250 horsepower, I want to say. Okay. So it's not huge power, but it's enough to uh, actually carry large payloads and actually accelerate. So those are the numbers on this van. Well, so, I mean, here's the question, right? It's some $12,000 more expensive. Than a gasoline. Than one. the equivalent gasoline one. Um, does it haul more than the gasoline one? Do you know? No, a little bit less. So it hauls less. Yes. It so goes it's more expensive. A lot more expensive. Hauls, yeah, a lot more expensive. Hauls a little bit less. Okay. Because of the battery weight. Yep. Uh, but but then... And it, and it only goes 120-some miles, according to Ford, on a single charge. Cor correct. So I think those are the negatives. Okay. The positives are, you, once again, you could charge it to your deep or, or at home, right? Right. Um, you're getting uh, power export. So okay. if you're building, if you're a construction worker, uh, you can use your van right there as a as a generator, um, and then lower maintenance costs, like we talked about, you know, better efficiency. I mean, it's it's an interesting question as a uh, as as a business owner looking for a van, right? Um, it's it's gonna be in my mind a hard 
a hard sell in some ways because the standard transit, like I just plugged it into fueleconomy.gov, right? The rear wheel drive one will go 395 miles on a single charge. It's got, I think, an EcoBoost. Is that right? Or both two engine options. Okay. Or EcoBoost or a standard V6. So you can get a standard V6. Yeah, and that's the price difference, yes. Um, and then the standard V6 will have probably similar power to the yeah, electric one. Yeah, 250, 270 or whatever, yeah. Um, so you'd have to really look at your numbers and say, am I going to see the maintenance and fuel savings over the life of this van and my life of my ownership, right? I mean, because it's going to come down to running costs. Yeah. And then you have to look at your, your drivers. Are my drivers driving more than 100 miles every day? You know, Correct. what kind of van is it? Is it a shuttle van? Do I have access to electricity? Do I have access to electricity to keep it charged? Yeah. Um, and then you got to look at fuel prices. Like, are fuel prices higher? Are fuel prices low? That's going to be a big consideration, too. Um, potentially, this is a small, probably a small concern, but what if there's like a power outage, right? You know, mm-hmm. in like your city. Although if there's totally. a power outage, you probably can't fill up anyways, but... Yeah, but you will be able to have a few hours of power in your van. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's a... I think it's a, so, it's a hard sell. So I don't think this is for every business, right? Right. So if you have a small, uh, I don't know, plumber business or a small, you know, bread delivery business and you're looking to spend 12 grand more for a van, you probably would say no. Right? Okay. But if you have a large fleet, hundreds of vans, yep. and some vans have to go into a particular city center where uh, maybe regulations require it to be quiet or electric. Yep. You will have to do this, and then you have to, you know, make sure that the cost makes sense. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's it, it could be related to regulations in certain cities, um, use cases. Um, they're also saying there's several other, like, kind of fringe use cases. Right. Like, like working in a, you know, sound levels where, you know, somewhere where you cannot have a loud diesel engine. Yep. Or something like that. So, so yeah, it depends. And it's also interesting that, that, that study where they found that most vans do, what, 70-something miles? 74 miles a day. That's a hard thing for me to grasp because uh, Chevrolet tried this when they released the Vault. Do you remember the, the yes. plug-in hybrid that did yeah. 40 miles? And they, they, they did all this research, and there was this <laughs> big ad campaign. The average driver only drives 34 miles, uh, and it does 40 miles on a single charge. You'll never need to buy gas. And... And that was probably true, but I don't think consumers saw that as the case. They said, oh, it only do 40 miles. Um, right. And, and we see that too. So like when you look at the first crop of EVs, like the compliance cars, like the Fiat 500e, the Focus EV, right? Um, the Smart Electric. We had a Smart Electric. The it Golf would, EV or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those would only do like 60 to 70 miles. Yeah. Um, people made fun of them. Um, we've owned a bunch of them, and it's true. Like 60 to 70 miles for pretty much the whole team is more than enough for our commute. Yes. Uh, and it's it's more than enough to have even like a comfortable buffer. And then you plug it in at night, spend $3 to charge it up, and, and you're good for another 70 miles. And like your wife found on the i3. It's enough right? for her. Yes. But it's that mental thing, right? You hear 60 miles, you're like, oh. It only goes 60 miles. And I feel so, that with a transit, too. It'll only do 120 miles. That's more than enough, but it's like that mental block. Yeah, but I think this is a little bit different because, the first of all, the initial sales are going to be fleets and um, big commercial yes. uh, accounts. Hopefully they and, listen to the Excel sheet. And, and they're, they're going to be listening not to their brain, but the Excel spreadsheets and the cost and all this stuff, right? So they're going to be looking at this as a business, not necessarily as... Am I going to make it home? Yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah, I think it's a cool thing. So let's go back to our original question. Do you think that the electric pickup truck will work? Oh, boy. Well, according to our towing um, 
experiences. Uh, I don't think it's super ready for prime time as a truck. Okay, and we we, as, we have to test them, right? We have to well, we have to see all, for ourselves. Yeah. Yes, we haven't driven a Rivian or a Tesla or a Hummer, none of those. Um, so so first, and this is me just looking at the numbers, right? Um, if you want a truck purely as a truck, right now it's a kind of a hard sell. As like but, a tool for towing and for exactly, yeah for work. Um, but if you're buying it for a family, you know maybe you know going to the lake on the weekend, you know not going very far, that those use cases will work. And I think that's where kind of your point came in. Make it the most fastest, the coolest, the most expensive, highest option. So you can wow the customer first, and then as the technology kind of approaches that limit, you know that level, then more people can use it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think for currently with the current technology, um, from and once again we'll put all the, the trucks to the usual test. But from from my experience with EVs and Teslas and all that, um, it's going to make a lot of sense for like the Raptor or T Rex buyer who has a budget of seventy, eighty thousand dollars, right? And wants the ultimate in zero to sixty, wants the the, the craziest flash and the coolest tech features. Yeah, I'm not sure the person buying an XLT F150 or you, you know uh, like an RST more basic Silverado or or a Ram, work with Ram. Or, yeah, yeah. Th- that I'm not sure that person is going to be ready to to spend the additional money and not see the real benefit. Yeah, I um, agree. But we'll have to wait and see how the trucks do in the real world and how they tow and how they go off-road and what they're like. And we need to learn about what the F-150 EV will actually have. Yes. We don't know yet. Very true. And what the electric Silverado will have. And and Ram hasn't really said anything about electric Rams. Ram's busy putting 6.4 liters in the Wranglers <laughs> right now, Andre. <laughs> okay, well, there you have it, guys. Well, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having I, me. I, I hope this was kind of insightful and enjoyable conversation. I know it's a little bit... Uh, controversial you know yep. there's a strong feelings here both ways for sure yeah. so so thank you and as always go back to tfltruck.com we'll have uh, you know all the information on all the latest trucks right there yeah for sure see you next time thanks save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or seven up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.